emergency power activate. All right, what's happening? What's cracking? It's Austin Brandt back in with the call, WGTD, powered by Gateway Technical College. Today, I have a couple hombres up here in the studio with me. I got one, two, three, Trace Amigos. Well, I'm going to have them introduce themselves. First, Tim Williamson. Go right ahead. Uh, Tim Williamson, uh, EMS Program Director at Gateway College. All right. Kitty corner to you is Dan. Hello, Dan. How's it going? Good. If you want to introduce yourself for me today. Dan Pojar, I'm the Clinical Education and Quality Assurance Manager for the Office of Emergency Management in Milwaukee County. Holy smokes, there's a mouthful. Right on, Milwaukee <laughs> County. All right, and Dr. G's back in-house. Dr. G, you want to introduce yourself for me? Yeah. Uh, Tom Corrali, nice, nice to be here again. <laughs> right on. <laughs> awesome. So today, we're sitting down. we got a couple guests in studio. Dan, I'm going to put my peepers right on you first. Tell me what you do. I am currently in charge of all of the education for all 14 fire departments in Milwaukee County, as well as the Quality Assurance Division and uh, interim, essentially, chief of the EMS section for the special events. Holy smokes. All right, so you're making people do better, and you're making sure that they do that by checking up on them, right? So you provide the education, and you f follow up with them. QA, are you QAing like all reports? Is that is that the QA process you guys go through there? Uh, we go through a certain percentage sure. uh, of different things, and then we also have a uh, just culture reporting method where uh, the fire departments will submit cases to us, so, so either it could be a near miss, uh, an error of some type, sure. or Stuff that you guys follow up on? Awesome. So you said 14 departments. Did I catch that right? Or 14 stations? 14 departments. <laughs> so there's a lot more departments of, or, excuse me, stations on top of that. And you said you do, like, special event stuff. So would that be, like, the Bradley Center and stuff like that? Like 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 big yeah, games Bradley and stuff? Center, no more is not by the form. Is oh, my bad. Miss Pokemon's on Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 outside by Madison. Yeah, 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 that's, that's right. But you're, so you're in charge of um, – education with that so is it preparation uh, institution of ems you know like how you deploy certain members and, and whatnot is that kind of your baby sure also uh we actually staff it with some of our county hired paramedics oh sweet so we, we work like the mux games and uh any yeah like jurassic world was just there this year jesse the dinosaurs awesome all right so i i immediately think all right i gotta i gotta ask you right right away then as i was growing up uh i was an intern in madison and i used to think all the time like you know laughably like oh i'm gonna go work this you know massive concert or this massive monster truck rally and i'll just kind of sit back on my keister and nothing nothing <laughs> ever happens at these things right and i remember uh one of my uh intern cohorts was there when the individual who was running it got ran over by one of the monster trucks oh, and i was like oh, what so i ask you then like does it happen? Does it happen at these events? You know, you would think 50,000, however many thousand people congregate to an area. Do people still get sick? Do accidents happen? And oh, yeah. is it pretty frequent? Yeah. Uh, we, there's a lot of uh, people that are, like, working behind the scenes there, too, like the, the cooks in the kitchen. Sure. Sometimes get burned by oh, making yeah. the food. Yeah, I bet. Uh, or just don't feel well. Yeah. Uh, but we've had uh, heart attacks. You name it type thing, I bet. Lots of falls and slips, you know, the natural right <laughs> hey hey man hey man let me tell you hazards of a, of a workplace right so what what sort of and I'm sorry I'm rattling off questions here but my brain starts to think globally right like a, a very large scale event you know how much planning how much uh, different personnel moving parts are in something like that and then if something happens such as MCI or you have like a, a mass casualty event um, how hard do those things become to plan for like is this is this taking up a lot of your sleep a lot of your a lot of your day you know preparing for things that haven't happened or might happen or is it a lot of repetition 
of that plan, right? More, more so like, or is it both? Sure, well, it's a, it's kind of a mix of both. Uh, we actually partnered with the Milwaukee Fire Department. They sent a chief officer over to uh, what we call the Arena Operations Center. So it's the AOC. Sweet. Uh, advisor form. And so they're sitting in a seat there uh, managing uh, the dispatch and placement of our crews. Uh, so we handle, you know, the patient okay. interaction. Yeah. Uh, but they've got really the oversight of the medical operations, and then if a larger scale incident comes in, obviously we'll call them for search capacity for transport units, uh, and then also hire them. So this is happening when an event is taking place. You already have a command structure kind of set up already. Yeah, any time there's a ticketed wow. event, uh, there's a, a Milwaukee fire. That's awesome. So it's not reactionary, not like, hey, let's set up command because a thing happened. You already have kind of command instituted, ready to go, deploying resources as yeah, you need. And even taking that a step further, it's actually a unified command already that uh, established our people as the Milwaukee police officer. Wow. Uh, or a police uh, captain or lieutenant. Great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, if anything has taught us, you know, previously, right, like having the same common language, having the same command structure, obviously institutes and allows effectiveness of our resources. That's great. That's really, really cool. So how do you keep up then? That sounds like a, a huge task. How do you keep up with all of those departments, each one of those members, you know, maintaining their education level? How do you how do you uh, keep accountability? Is that also on the paramedic, you know, to, to make sure that he's checking, he or she's checking off these lists and keeping up with the refresher and license and stuff? But is there like a, is there a, a global way that you attack, you know, this giant elephant, because obviously bite-sized pieces, but like making sure everybody is on the same status as far as like, you know, the newest trend, the newest data and sure. things that we want to, you know, change, I'm sure is very difficult. How do we keep that up? Yeah. Uh, so one of the biggest ways is through our learning management system. Uh, we utilize target solutions and I, I know there's like ninth brain and several other systems out yeah. there, uh, but we use that to, to at least create and post the content. We can create quizzes on there. They can review the content. Great. Uh, right now it's quarterly, uh, and we have a, a group of instructors, uh, full-time and part-time mix that go around and uh, make face with the crews. Sure. Interact with yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That way they know you, too. Right, yeah. yeah. yeah it's not just us talking through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. What's that right. saying? Uh, you don't want to be trading you know, patches or business cards at the scene of, a, of any scene. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Right. I think it's always challenging because – you know, with technology, it's really easy to say, hey, you know, we can uh, do this great training. We can, you know, make a video. You can even do things that are interactive, you know, over the over the Internet now, interactive learning, you know. And I know, Tim, you know, your background is a lot in online education yep. and training. Um, but it is nice to be able to take a step away from that and still get the in-person aspect of things. Right. You know? I don't know if you'll ever n replace that. Like, the yeah. online thing is awesome. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's great for your, your routine stuff, in my opinion. Um, but there's just something about sitting with people. You got to do it live, right? Yeah, I mean, as you as you do it, you figure out like we can we can think uh, all the time, and I think that's one thing. I just came from HPS today, so I was w with our students, and we're running simulation. And and when I hear that you have a simu uh, simulance, a simambulance, simulance, all right, uh, you know, I, I think to myself like that is rewind twenty years. You know, how do we have that? Do we have these capabilities? And I think it's really awesome to hear that you're tripling down, quadrupling down on many different facets to make sure that we can have the most um, up-to-date uh, trends, data, and resources to our providers, right? Because, you know, how many times can you kill that mannequin? How many times can you, you know, you're not obviously operating only in someone's kitchen. It is going to be in the back of an ambulance. I think it's really awesome that you guys are providing that to um, providers. So that brings me to my next question then. 
where do you think we could do better? Where do you see like a lot of individuals, not specifically in your departments or, or in your training, but like globally in EMS, where do you see through QAing that we could improve? Sure, I think the biggest question that we're trying to answer right now uh, through any of our distance education is how do we make it more meaningful? Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's really good. Right. I know that's not realistic. Right. Maybe yet. Sure. Maybe in the future we can get some type of virtual reality <laughs> yeah. or something. But uh, I can't wait for those virtual reality smells. You yeah. bet. Yeah. How <laughs> to simulate a GI bleed? <laughs> yeah. Cool. And I think that's. Do, are, do they believe you? Let me ask. Like, as you're seeing 30, 20 year providers, seasoned providers, and you say simulation, do they roll their eyes, or do you see like, oh man, this is, you know, this is more hands on. I like this more than the online education, or you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that there is a big difference yeah, between. Yeah, we but. just did actually a huge system survey and got several hundred responses back, and the, the simulations was almost went by. Wow. That's fantastic. Wow. And they, they, they fantastic. love the hands on experience. They love interacting with the instructors, and also it's an opportunity as well. Wow. Well, and what an opportunity for you guys to work with neighboring departments, right? Like what an opportunity for local jurisdictions to really get their fingers, you know, in the same pot. That's that's so cool. Yeah. What a what would you do, you know, if if you have an individual that's maybe resistant to um, simulation training or maybe resistant to you know, completing that online stuff? I've done the 48 hour in-person refresher forever, and that's the way, you know, I learn best. And I've been doing it for 40 years. So huh, if it's not broken, why should I fix it? How do you kind of nurse these individuals along or how do you how do you you know edge them towards that water maybe not hold their head underneath there so they drink but at least get them to the watering hole how, how do we do that uh, engage them sure make it easy yeah involved, even just breaking the ice can, can be, go a long way uh, there's other ways we can incorporate like mandatory skills like hey everyone every right has to do this right cut a net today. right that's kind of cool and so you see use. Do you, Dr. G, do you guys use a lot of simulation in your, like, ED times and stuff like that, too? Uh, you know, we always uh, – I know, like, in our residency training, they do it a few times a year. Um, and now, uh, you know, with the Kenosha Fire Department, uh, we've been coming out to Gateway. You know, we do our refresher training with Gateway twice a year. That's basically a full day in the past – few times at least that I've been involved we've actually had it here in the Inspire Center right. and gotten to play around with the high fidelity mannequins and our feedback from that has also been you know very great you know I think I think um, it's tough you know especially when our paramedics when we do this twice a year it's and you know it's a full day from them you right. know, full day and it is hard for anybody to sit through you know sit through a lecture for sure. eight hours straight you know with a short short lunch break right so I think Mixing it up too, variety, you know, is important in, in trying to keep people engaged. And I think always um, trying to tie it back to, you know, what's the point? You know, like a big part about adult learners is just trying to, is you need to explain why it's important, why, you know, absolutely, that, what, you know, what you're trying to teach mm -hmm. them. This is um, pertinent to your pre-hospital care because, and I think that's really great because we can do that. You know, you had just said like uh, cutting necks over here, right? Or, you know, like pericardial synthesis or dropping needles, like these high acuity, low incidence calls that we get, right? We don't see this all that frequently, but now you can run, what, 10, 12, 50 of them in a day. You get really, really good at dropping that needle. Hey, this is why it's applicable to you in that pre-hospital setting, right? Yeah, and then furthermore, you know, like he, like Dan said, is that, you know, finding the balance between the new medic versus the one that's been there for 20 years and getting engagement from both of them. Find that sweet yeah. middle. And yeah. even piggybacking on that, uh, we use our quality assurance process to drive our education. So, yeah, we have the, you know, the mandated content. Sure. But we also can say, hey, on a system level, this is where we have some opportunity for improvement. So here's how we can practice and get better right. at doing these skills. Or here's where you're doing really good. And we can study some case studies and hand 
that's a good that's what I'd like yeah. to do. Yeah, for ours as well. Yeah, yeah and that's what I think is, uh, you know, and that's what I why I think that goes back to that question of why is this important to right. me? You know, it's one thing people say, hey, we've seen a bunch of these cases that you know that have turned out like this, or sure. this is a common theme. Like this is why this is important because we have data to say this is yeah. what you are seeing. You know, right? These are the patients that you're taking care of. You know, or this was a case that you know we're bringing this new skill on because here are a handful of cases that would have been better if we had you know that could have gone. It's tangible. If yeah. We had this, if we had this new skill. The data right there. I feel like also, yeah, you get these seasoned providers where you start saying like, hey, we're just going to start QAing cuz or, you know, like, right. and, and I seriously feel that a lot of individuals start viewing that as like a hassle, right? Like, oh, you're keeping me accountable of my job. And it's no, we're trying to keep you accountable to the best that you can be, right? Like this, we can always adapt our skills. We can always adapt our trends. Uh, and, and I think being able to provide the best is coming from that area of like, we can improve and here's what we're doing. Um, you work predominantly out of Milwaukee. Easy for me to say. Told you those stutters are going to happen. <laughs> Milwaukee County, correct? Um, working down there, what does your nine one one like? If I call nine one one, one of our previous guests that we had on here, I uh, was talking about like dispatch instructions. About fifty percent of dispatch um, uh, providers are trained in over the phone CPR. That made my jaw drop, and I'm like, huh? What? What does 911 kind of look like for your guys' county? Is it is it predominantly ALS? Is there BLS ALS? Is there a division? Is there like, if you you call 911, do you know kind of how that's panning out? Yeah, certainly the the 911s are part of the Office of Emergency Management's a separate division, but they're closely with them. Uh, it depends on the department. Okay. Uh, Uh, and any, it's called a PSAP, uh, any PSAP that's not give CPR instructions currently turns that call back to our comm center. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. See, I had no idea. I had no idea about that. Do you, and so then immediately, obviously, uh, that individual, you know, notifying PD, notifying FD and, and EMS, when you strike for that EMS, do you automatically receive, uh, are you all ALS in your, in your county or is there um, a BLS provider showing up and, and making that di- differentiation or uh, where I operate in, in my county, it is based on jurisdiction. So like sure. sometimes you can get auto ALS for our, from this jurisdiction's, you know, AEMT, you automatically get a paramedic with that. And if you're with this county or in, excuse me, this jurisdiction, they're already paramedic mm-hmm. how does that work kind of by you guys uh, it's a mix of a lot of different sure things. Uh, there's emd in some cities uh there's other uh there's two cities that are like bls transport only uh and then there's uh the airport and the 128th uh international guard with base that's uh bls but not transport oh okay so, so that mutually aiding, uh, other agencies in to, to do the transport that's the one thing i never i r- literally never even contemplated when i was in school that like hey people get sick on airplanes and at airports and i was like yeah, yeah. What? Say what? Yeah. 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 Is there a doctor on board? Nope, nope. No, couldn't tell you, but I can't fix that gambling problem. Sorry. Uh, that's great. That's really great. Where do you see um, with your continual QA, with your continual education? I like to think that any educator is usually on the forefront of, you know, change, on the forefront of um, progressive ideas as far as medicine is concerned. Where do you see us going? Where do you see EMS education going do you see it advancing do you see do you see more pre-hospital interventions or do you see more assessment what what do you see i would like to see an expanded scope of practice related to the et3 initiative really 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 going to be the future could you could you expand on that for yeah so those who aren't familiar with et3 it's emergency triage transport and 
treatment so it's the ability to do a treat on site and then also bill for those uh, uh, interventions done right away on site but there's also the opportunity to transport to alternative destinations i don't know why every broken bone needs to go to an emergency room Some sure go straight to urgent care right right yeah and then furthermore those urgent care you can feel comfortable sir, taking care of everyone in well, I mean, the patient did cough twice and look to the left. I need to go to the ER. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, that's so. Are you saying? Uh, and just so I'm interpreting what you're saying here is, maybe it, the um, it should rely back onto the provider. You know, giving more power to that paramedic uh, ability to assess. And do you do you see the development of um, pre-hospital community paramedics? You know, being a priority or do you see that you know taking impact near your area yeah do you we guys do you, oh you do you do would you mind hinting on, uh touching on that where, where do you see that being of use because i i hear of community paramedic and, and is that just somebody who's checking up is that just someone who's you know i click a box and i follow up with that patient and it's just to prevent them from calling 911 continuously or or what do you think the role is what yeah, do you see the role it's a mix of uh Milwaukee Fire is big on that right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very successful, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're the more certainly one of the um, more advanced MIH programs in the whole region. And I know, you know Racine does some. If yeah, Racine does is, some community you know, trying, is working towards uh, that. Yeah, a lot of track. different places are kind of uh, you know working on building it up. And and I think you know to your guys's point with ET3, you know it goes back too to this uh, EMS agenda 2050. You know, mm -hmm. so this EMS agenda for the future came out. I think it was back in 1995, and um, you know kind of said what will EMS you know what will EMS look like you know down the road. And uh, now they just you know came out with a new one that's. EMS Agenda 2050, and, you know, it's all about this idea of this kind of, like, patient at the center of everything, you know, what's best for sure. the patient, you know, what sure. we're doing, and, you know, I think Dan's point about about ET3 is important, because it's that refocus from traditionally where Medicare's only paid ambulances if they've taken somebody to the emergency department, right? to kind of looking at things and be like, what do people, what do people truly need? You know, people call EMS for a lot of reasons, you know, EMS is the safety net of the of society. <laughs> Um, you know, and how do we best meet their needs, you know, and, uh, you know, you're right. Not every broken bone needs to go to the emergency department. You know, some people call 911 because they don't have any other access to care. Or they, right. you know, just need a ride to their, to their primary care doctor right. appointment. And guess who usually can't take <laughs> yeah, them to their right. primary care doctor? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, like, yeah. So, so I am having chest pain, cough, cough. Yeah. You got to take me there. And, you know, like, I think people view that, uh, air quotes, abuse of health care as like, you know, the patient's fault. Why wasn't the patient more prepared or, you know, whatever it may be, whatever the circumstance may be. I really feel that as a community paramedic, we are now just an extension, a further extension of healthcare. right? We're another resource for that individual uh, to latch onto. Now, for our, our, our current listeners, right, maybe you have no idea what uh, community paramedic is. So, like, that's kind of why I touched on the, someone calls 911, you get notified to dispatch right correct me if i'm wrong on any of this process and and that dispatcher then kind of gives that level or that uh, acuity of that call and then they send resources your way based upon where you said that location of that um call was fire departments have been following up after that so after the 911 call maybe I, I i deem that this person based on what you just said here dan higher acuity maybe uh lower access to healthcare, whatever the the thing that may uh, make you 
a candidate for community paramedicine, then we can follow up as a part of the fire department paramedic uh, services, emergency medical services. We follow up with you to see if you're using your medications or those instructions that might, you know, have you end up in the emergency room again for that treatment of antibiotics or whatever thing that you don't know how to do. We can give you that care, give you those resources. Am I kind of outlining a community paramedics role correctly? Is that kind of what everybody does? Yeah, even with some of the high disease or high risk disease projects like CHF, you know. Sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, catch it way before. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You need to move. Right? That's fantastic. I really appreciate you coming in today. Thank you, Dan. Um, it gives us a little bit better extension of, you know, these global areas all around us, you know. And it sounds like the more we do work together, we're we're centered around this this patient care. But I really do like to know what's happening around me, you know, right a little bit outside of, uh, a gateway's jurisdiction here is into Milwaukee. And, and it sounds like you guys are really pushing the forefront also of not only community uh, paramedicine, but just being involved there in the community, being involved to those patients that we provide care for. Um, any last words as far as what you see on the horizon here? You know, one thing, if I can interrupt, sorry, Austin. Um, you know, I know that's why we're talking about things uh, Dan's involved in. Uh, can you uh, kind of educate us on what DMAT is? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Kind of, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Left, left turn here, but uh, Dan wears many I hats. To hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of his many, many, hats, many, many hats. <laughs> me personally, I'm very interested in this. Um, my um, my undergrad's actually in emergency management, so uh, seeing this, I actually don't know that much about it, if I'm being honest as well. So sure. I'm very curious. Yeah, so uh, the DMAT stands for Disaster Medical Assistance Team. It's a federally run program uh, across the United States. Uh, it's actually recognized as uniform service, uh, so not. Not active due to military, but it is qualified as uniform service. Uh, basically, there's uh, teams all across the country. Uh, there could either be state teams or regional teams. Uh, my team is Midwest One because I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in uh, Nebraska, so our team is Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri. So they just combined all four of us to call us Midwest One. Uh, but we're on tap for uh, lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, like nationals, special security events. So like the DNC that's coming up in... Uh, Milwaukee next year. That's sure. the NSSE that uh, they'll be tapping DMAT teams for. Uh, we go to the State of the Union, uh, the 4th of July celebration in D.C. Uh, we also deploy to uh, any disaster zones. So uh, lately we've been going to hurricanes. Floods, burns, Floods, stuff like that? Forest fires, yep. Okay. Yeah, we put on standby. There's a, an earthquake alert put out uh, earlier this year that we were on call for. Cool. How, how much time do you usually have when they um, – put you on standby or do they automatically just activate you like how much time so from maybe something happening like let's just say a hurricane on the east coast sure yeah hurricanes are great because you have yeah. some lead time you know that it's coming right. uh, you can plan for it uh each team or regional team is placed on on call monthly typically you're on call for two three months out of the year uh so you know usually hey this is my on call month i should be ready to go hurricane got a couple of days notice um any act of terror That's pretty cool. So you guys work only then like you know, twenty four hour shifts. Then I assume is that is that it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just <kidding. laughs> yeah, yeah. So how far long could you be deployed for? Um, I mean, like, is the sky limit or? You can go for a couple of weeks to a month. They right. can ask to extend you. I know in Puerto Rico, I was down there for Hurricane Maria. I was down there for extended three weeks, and um, they were sending teams home and then having them come back a couple months later. Because I think that ended up being a total around five five and a half. And this is DMAT, D-M-A-T. That's that's the acronym. How would um, 
say I'd like to get involved. I, 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 before this, I have no idea that those letters even existed. So how do I Google it? How, how would one would we get involved with this team? How do I donate? How do I get involved for so something like this? Uh, it's a federally funded program. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so most of the time I do. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you go to usajobs.com uh, and search for health technician paramedic, that is the, uh, the paramedic role. Sweet. Uh, so the DMAT team is not just paramedics, uh, it's made up of uh, medical officers, which are uh, docs. Uh, we also have PAs, nurse practitioners, uh, nurses, paramedics, pharmacists, logistics, and there's also uh, like communications. Like wow. Yeah, it's a 35 yeah. person team. Wow, wow, wow. So there's 35 people on that team? That's really cool. So that's, that's, for, uh, that's for a full team that's getting deployed. So okay. my team has almost like 120 people. Sure. On, but not everyone goes on call, so we like a mix and match. And sure, sure, sure. For the role or whatever. That's really cool. And how I'm sorry, you might have said, how long you been on that? I've been on my team for eight years. Okay. That's awesome. You guys are pretty close as a, and as 135 people quite a bit. Like, do you, you feel pretty good connection with everybody? Yeah, we, we pretty well. merged our teams uh, about three and a half, four years ago. Right How do you guys train? To, do you guys train together in, like, big-scale units as far as, like, the 135 people? I mean, you said it was in Nebraska or, like, the Midwest area. Do you guys all congregate to? Right, so the, our training is done in Anniston, Alabama. Okay. So there's an opportunity to go down there. We can set up our tents and play with the equipment. Cool. That's awesome. Sweet. And they do that every year. They open it up, and there's also uh, other opportunities for training as well. That's awesome. So if you, you know – Give me again. I'm a, I'm a big like large scale timeline type of guy. So hurricane's coming. It's on its way. How many teams would like on average get? Is it for a region? Like okay, we only need one DMAT team, or is it tend to be like okay, if a bad hurricane hit, three or four are getting sent down, or is it? Uh, for the initial response, it, it's all dependent upon sure. the, the secretary for preparedness and what they're going to recommend. Uh, for uh, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, I know we had least six different sites that teams were operating and that may not be a full team they may split teams up and we can do like a okay. medical task force type sure thing where they drop a team in half or even put a seven person team and send them out so then once you get dispatched we're headed to katrina and so on my way to katrina what in your brain like if i'm heading out to shortness of breath on you know 321 nygaard avenue here like Sure, I'm thinking about all the possibilities, but really it's kind of narrow, right? It's probably going to be a single or multi-story complex. There might be one or multiple patients, but my possibilities are kind of narrow for, like, a municipality. How about yours? Like, what, what is running through your head when you're like, I'm headed to a hurricane response? Do you set up shop? Are you kind of operating out of a tent? Are you operating out of the back of an ambulance? You know, is it kind of like whatever they need I do that fills that paramedic role? Or is there like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have sure. no idea. It would be almost like paralysis analysis at this point for me. How do you make that first step? Like, what's your role? So the first part is getting to your staging area and finding out whether assets are in the area and whether the teams you're going to be working with. Uh, and then kind of the, really the plan of attack doesn't happen until they get a post damage assessment seeing you know, sure. what infrastructure was impacted, yeah. what assets do they have, do they need power, do they need water, do they need right. tents, air conditioning. Yeah, I guess that. <laughs> like, like that. What and, do you need? And then also, uh, depending on the mission type, we reconfigure our bags. So we carry usually three different sizes of bags. We have a 24-hour bag, a 72-hour bag, and uh, kind of a full deployment bag. Sure. We probably can send the hot time stuff. But, and that's um, you as a paramedic, the, your bag, or is that the team's no, bag? Oh, that's pretty dope. Uh, oh, dang. Talk about Tupac right there. Yeah. 
Wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out. You're telling me that you have to, like, check over your gear and stuff, and, like, if you have anything. Oh, weird how that works, right? So you can just, like, clap your fingers, and if you're, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, it's just not going to appear itself. So you have three different, oh, wow, that's, that's crazy. So you have three different bags. How many at any given time, you might not know, like, paramedics, do you, do you have, like, four other, you know, homies that you're working with that are at your same level, and then you have a couple different doctors and stuff, and you are you guys, like, mainly in charge of one, you know, like, as a paramedic, you're really good at pre-hospital medicine, right? So do they, like, all right, we need you to do x y and z or is it kind of like role dependent does that you maybe i'm not asking the question well enough that like mds is there a specific role for them when a disaster hits and they're kind of stuck in the tent and you're more of a blah 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 or is it like hey you like you said disaster plan whatever assessment we got this is what i the role i'm going to fill sure no uh, the, the the whole perspective of the team is really the intent is you know yeah it's a disaster zone but the patient care doesn't change sure so everyone right. still gets the same level of care uh, we may have less tools. We may not have, you know, radiology or labs with us. Um, but if we can find the resources to get those, great. But otherwise, we're going to make the best educated guess and get them to that, you know, uh, final destination. Uh, a lot of that preparation and the team configuration is dependent upon your mission type. So we could be doing urban search and rescue. That's great for our paramedics. That's, you know, stuff we do already. Right. Uh, we can also do uh, an augmentation of a hospital. So if the hospital's damaged, we'll set up a sure. lot to try to offload some of oh. My hands are starting to sweat when you say something like that. Like, the hospital's not working. We're working in a parking lot. I'm, I just start thinking, like, well, yeah, what about my 15-minute transport time? Like, I just dr drop them off and, you know, I'm set. Like, how is that pretty common for you? You show up, you're like, all right, this patient that's walking through the door, we got to manage them for question mark, right, like amount of time. Or is there pretty? Is it pretty well dictated for you when you show up, like, okay, we only need to manage for X, Y, and Z? Or is that kind of, like, pliable as you show up? Yeah, it, it changes. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. You say that about Illinois weather. All that flat, you the wind picks up and it just you know <laughs> carries on, right? Well, I I appreciate. It. I I'm really glad I didn't overlook your your DMAT uh, explanation because that that's really really intriguing to me. If people want to do get involved, Google it. Uh, you said actually. Uh, so yeah, there is a Wisconsin DMAT team. Uh, their website is wi one like the number one. Uh, the number not spelled out. So w i number one, uh, dmat dot org. Uh, looks like right now they're they're not recruiting paramedics right now. Unfortunately, they're looking for uh, physicians, pharmacists, dentists, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and respiratory therapists. Hey, so yeah. if that's you, that's come on down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are other other uh, other dmat teams, and I know you know. I don't, as far as I know, unless things have changed, you don't have to live in that state. You know, I was looking at joining one of these when I was in college, uh, living in Illinois, and we were looking at joining the Missouri one, which I think Dang. was actually the one you were originally in, right? Is the one I'm in now. I was originally on the Nebraska one, but Nebraska, oh, okay. but you guys all merged. Cool. Yeah. But even though I live here in Wisconsin, I'm still part of that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, so you can still get involved you should you want to. There, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Great experience, I'm sure, to say yeah. the least, especially yeah. for maybe students and things like that, too. Do you feel that you get to use your skills? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, if you get into a hot zone, you can see quite a bit of action pretty quick. I bet. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. With these like resource, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of resource uh, uh, struggling, you know, situations you end up in. I mean, those are the times where you're really acting at the top of your scope. You know, um, uh, you know, no. And again, to your, you know, Austin's kind of uh, question earlier. You know, I, if I were to go as an emergency medicine doctor, I'm not going to be taking a people's appendix out <laughs> stuff that I don't do as an emergency medicine doctor, you know, because um, you still have everybody still has right. a scope of practice that right. they function in. But, um, you know, 
honestly, it seems like a really cool opportunity. Yeah, yeah really like, great. Least, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned the scope of practice. Everyone comes from all different backgrounds with different yeah. sets of guidelines. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Different types of equipment, all that. It's, it's if you don't mind, I ask a really quick question then. So what's yeah? What's your protocol? Like whose pro whose protocol do you operate underneath? Like when you get dispatched, if that's the appropriate word, lit up, fired. Ooh, all right. Which is more or less than your average, would you say? Yeah, all <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it depends upon which way you're framing it. Yeah, all right. So really, the docs are really good about working with the, the nurses and the medics, and they typically tell the medics if you're trained on certain procedures, you practice your full skill. Right. And then we'll get things done, but you, you know, you may be taking care of ten to twelve patients at the same time. <sighs> all of them in triage, and you get them started on treatment. Man. Oh man, that, that is so cool. That sounds like a, I I won't say it's rare because I think it's something that you have to be awake for, right? I don't think it's rare to create impact in the pre-hospital setting because I think it's something that you, if you're awake, you can see the impact you're creating. But man, is there some tangible impact you can make here? Is with ten to twelve patients? Wow, that's that's crazy. That's really cool. Well, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us today. I think we're coming up to the the end here of the call. Tim, Dr. Growey, Dan, thank you so much for having a seat. Dan, doors always open. Anytime you want to come on in, we'll have you back here and we'll have another convo. Um, thank you again to WGTD. Tim, Dr. Growey, is there anything that you'd like to add? Dan, any last words? <laughs> I'll go for it. So if you guys have any suggestions or want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to e email us at... Uh, uh, EMS podcast at gtc.edu and that's all I have I'd, lo I'd love to I know it's you know kind of early December but I'd love to get some listeners uh, on the podcast and yeah. just kind of talk about uh, you know EMS around the holidays ah so, EMS topics. around the holidays so, uh, so if you're a listener you and you'd listening. like to get on, uh, in, get on in that's right send Tim an email he just uh, chatted it off there for you if you're a student you'd like to come on in by all means First right refusal does go to the instructional staff, so we'll sniff out should you be a worthy candidate. However, again, shoot us an email. We would love to know EMS around the holidays. Dan, Dr. G, Tim, thank you so much. I'm Austin Brandt. This is The Call, sending you off, hoping to do better.